stay tuned in just a moment for Citizen You with Mari Roden. Good morning, listeners. This is Citizen You, a forum for exploring look local government and related issues in depth to increase your civic literacy and with that your ability to effectively engage in decisions affecting our communities. I'm your third Wednesday host, Ukiah Mayor Mari Roden. Supervisor Dan Jurdy hosts Citizen U on first Wednesdays. This past election in early November, I became curious about how our local elections office operates from a concrete, practical point of view. What is the life path of a ballot? From inception at some printing press, through distribution to voters, to some old dust to burial in some old dustbin in the county administration building. How are the ballots actually counted? How many people participate in the counting? Are there ombudspeople? How long does it take to tally all the votes? The more I thought about it, the more questions I had. So I called the person in charge of voting in Mendocino County, Katrina Bartlemay, and she agreed to be my guest this morning. Katrina is actually in charge of much more than voting. She is the elected assessor, county clerk recorder, commissioner of civil marriage, and registrar of voters. Katrina Bartlemay, welcome to Citizen U. Thank you very much, Mari. It's nice to be here. Great. Well, well I want to focus our conversation on, on elections, ballots, and voting, that whole process. I'd like to begin by telescoping out and asking you about the full breadth of responsibilities of your elected position. You know, what, what, what do you do in all those components of your, of your work as assessor, county clerk recorder, commissioner of civil marriage, and registrar of voters? Well, first of all, you know, let me say it takes an army. And, um, you know, I have an amazing staff. Um, our appraisers are, you know, show up every day. And, and what the assessor's office does is we, um, we ass assess the, the land within the county. So if there's a change in ownership, that means if you go out and buy a new house, then we will assess it at fair market value. Um, if you have construction or if you demolish, you know, you've got your footprint of, of, your, of your home and um, say it's 1,500 square feet. So you can remodel that 1,500 square feet and you won't be reassessed. But if you add on something beyond that 1,500 feet, then we'll look at that as, you know, fair market value. So, um, so that's, you know... We do it alphabetically, assessor, clerk, recorder, you know, registrar. But so many counties will do it, um, you know, clerk, recorder, assessor, or something like that. And actually, it starts in the clerk, recorder's office, in the recorder's office. So we, um, we record a legal document um, pertaining to your parcel within Mendocino County, and that starts the process. So we record it. It has to meet so much requirement. We have a blue binder, which we call our our Bible. And if your document doesn't meet each one of that those criteria listed, 
then we'll reject reject the document and um, get you guys to fix it or the title company or whatever. But for the most part, it, it's pretty easy going. You know, that's probably the easiest thing in our whole in our whole office because. It's detail and it spells out the detail. Yeah, you know when you're done. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, <laughs> from there, those documents go over to the assessor side, and our GIS clerk, um, she uh, verifies the legals and makes sure the legals are correct and you're not giving away your whole ranch instead of a one acre parcel of it. And um, so, and from there, it goes to our title clerk who changes it in the computer and gets it ready to go on to the appraisers. So we have a new property system and that's slowing everything down. You know, with conversion, it's always a headache. Um, we're working real close as well as the auditor and the tax collector's offices and our IT department. Boy, they've been saviors through this whole thing. Um, you know, that is slowing things down. So once we get all that working, you know, it'll work in our department, but it won't work in the auditor's department. And if it doesn't work in the auditor's department, it won't go to the tax collector. So, you know, that's that part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, registrar of voters, which is probably our most complex is um it's amazing you know i i came from um a kind of political background my father was sheriff here for over 20 years so i knew that part of it but i had no idea what actually goes on in this office as the majority of of our people <sighs> so we maintain our voter registration database and now that we're tied with the state that kind of makes it easier but kind of complicates things because you know it goes through the state and then it comes to us so if there's a mismatch in the address we research it but working with the state sometimes you know there's always that bubble in the so we do the best we can to get you precincted and to get you the correct ballot mm -hmm. how did you so, <clears throat> how did you ahead, come, how, yeah how did you come into this line of work well i was actually um i've run a couple of businesses private businesses so i decided you know maybe i should work for the county i i wanted um a little bit better benefits for my family and i wanted you know some some retirement so i took a summer off and cowboyed and um then decided to start applying and um so i started applying and i got a job in the assessor's office and um, I quickly became a supervisor there. And then our um, assistant clerk, and that was under Marsha Wharf and Sue Ranichek. And um, our, assister, our assistant clerk recorder registrar um, retired. And um, I thought, oh, that, that sounds like fun. <laughs> Little did I know. But um, so I applied for that and um, got accepted into that and um, the rest is, is here. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, thinking of an election in Mendocino County as the story of the lives of I don't know, approximately 31,000 ballots, um, either mail-in or, or from polling places, let's start at the beginning, um, which would be putting together a ballot. So can you talk about how the, the creation of the drafting of a ballot? How You know, you have to, I'm thinking of, um, you know, having to reach out to just different jurisdictions, find out, you know. So anyway, if you could talk just about sure. putting together a ballot. So about 125 days prior to an election, 
the special districts, if there are any related, and the special districts elections are no are normally in November. Um, we do have a couple that are in August of odd years, but most of them, they used to be November of odd years, and then they decided to come to even years. So 125 days prior to election, they have to order their election. Now, we send them reminders several months in advance and let them know what we have. So if they if their roster is a little bit different from ours, then we can get it all cleared up. So then we have candidate filing, which is 113 to 88 days prior to election. And um, I know you've been in our office and we've we've helped you through the tedious process. And, you know, the biggest thing is we go by state law. You know, there's a lot of stuff that we don't really think is pertinent, but it's required. So, you know, we have to we have to go and it's a tedious thing. You know, some depending on what you run for, you might have to have nomination signatures. You can get signatures in lieu of filing fee. But the majority of our people are the special districts and they just have to come in and do the paperwork. So once they do the paperwork and if there's if there's three vacancies, because many of our of our all of our special districts have a minimum have about five um, seats, five seats. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And so they rotate. Mm -hmm. One year you'll have three seats up. The next time you'll have two seats up. So they rotate. You know to help everybody get used to the process of being on the special district. So if you have three vacancies and two or three people sign up not four, if there's four, there's definitely an election, um, then it's normally um, appointed in lieu of election. And our board of super, we send our board of supervisors a list and they would send out the oaths and appointments. The district does have an option of having it go to election. That usually happens with cities because they are required to have the majority of their um, council members elected. So. But most of the time, it just is appointed. So do so, you, yeah, I was just curious about the actual physical development of a ballot. You know, is there a template? Do you do it personally in your office? How does the creation of the, the ballot that we get in the mail come to be? Well, once we know who's going to be on that ballot, then, yes, we create it ourselves. We get a template from our vendor, and um, we either... Um, the assistant Amanda, either she or I create the ballot. And um, so then we we create it, we have to wait for the random draw because there's a certain day that the state chooses, you know, for us to get the random draw rather than, you know, alphabetical, it'll come with a random draw. So we do that, we put them all on the ballot. We usually have measures on the November ballot. So we have to type everything up into um, into our tabulation system, and um, we create that ballot. Once it's approved, you know, and checked and double-checked. Yeah, who approves That's another thing. We'd stop right there. Who, who approves it? Who checks and double-checks and proofreads it and makes sure that, that it's correct? Well, if Amanda um, creates it, then myself and our assistant assessor, Tanya, we look at it. Um, we did find a couple things that we missed last time with one poor lady's signature. I mean, not signature, the spelling of her name. We spelled it two different ways. So um, next time, we're going to have another group 
um, come in and and check it that way too. We don't want anybody's name spelled funny. Right. Thankfully, on the ballot, it was spelled correctly. It was in the sample ballot where we made our mistake. Mm-hmm. So not only do we create the ballot, we also create the sample ballot. And then once it's all approved, I approve it. Once it's all approved, then it goes um, to our vendor. So we have approximately 53,000 registered voters. It used to be, prior to the pandemic, that we would send out about 35,000 ballots to the vote by mail or mail ballot precincts. Now that it's, we have to send one to everybody, it's a little bit more for six to eight people to do because we would actually insert the ballot, we would insert the, the little card that you get that tells you where all the polling places are, we would do that by hand and then mail them out ourselves. Now it goes to the vendor because it's just too much work for us. To well, do. What did the pandemic have to do with changing that process? Because, because once the pandemic hit, the governor um, ordered that every registered voter, active registered voter in the state, get a mail-in ballot. Mm-hmm. So that bumped it up from 35 to 53,000. Mm-hmm. I see. So yeah, it's just it's just a little bit more work than than we can do in this office. Does your vendor send the that's when I want to get to sort of the next chapter, which is the distribution of the ballots. Uh, does the vendor mail them out or do, do they get returned to the county and the county mails them? The vendor mails them out for us. Mm-hmm. And we have a we have a nonprofit status, so the um, the cost of that ballot, sending that ballot out, is a little bit better. And now we also, um, with the pandemic, um, the governor decided that the counties will pay for the ballots returned to us. So we also pay for that as well. Mm-hmm. What's the status of physical polling places these days? Well, we still have we actually maintain the same physical polling places that we've always had. So we have um, the same ones that we had before. The first the first year with the pandemic, we had most of the Ukiah ones go down to the fairgrounds. And that was that was nice for that. But then now we've gotten back to our, you know, one at the um, the church behind Burger King, um, New Life community church. Oh, the one in Ukiah, you're saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. St. Mary's has one, um, you know, wherever wherever they are. We have one across the hall in Conference Room A. We have Hopland Fire. We have Boonville Fairgrounds. We have, you know, all of the, the same ones that we have. Mm-hmm. The one thing different, because everybody received a ballot, and now, for right now, that's a permanent thing, because that was also ordered by the governor that everyone get a ballot. So now it's kind of confusing because if you take your if you want to vote at St. Mary's, you live near St. Mary's. If you want to vote at St. Mary's, you would have to bring your ballot and the envelope it came in and surrender it. Mm-hmm. And if you're on the roster, they could give you a ballot. If you're not on the roster, you would vote a provisional ballot and we'll get to that, but those are all processed after all the VBMs and all the poll ballots are to make sure that you hadn't already. VBM vote by mail? Correct. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, in case you've just tuned in, you're listening to Citizen U, a forum for exploring local government and related issues.
I'm your host, Mari Roden, and today I'm speaking with Katrina Bartlemay. She's the Registrar of Voters, the Assessor County Clerk Recorder, Commissioner of, and Commissioner of Civil Marriage, and we're discussing the elections process in Mendocino County. And I'll be taking calls today, so uh, feel free to call in. 895 I forgot the number. I will look that up. Sorry, 2324, <laughs> I think. Um, so anyway, we're, we're discussing the distribution of the ballots, and I think um, you've... Exp so I'm curious if you are keeping track of, um, in this past election, for example, how many people did decide to come to polling places, do that process of either surrendering their ballot or voting provisionally at a polling place, or versus... Of voting by mail, and have you seen a huge increase since the pandemic in people voting by mail? We have had a huge increase, um, and that's again mainly because um, everybody gets a ballot. Because um, it's always been, you know, we've always had our polling places, but that always seemed to bring down our statistics of the people who actually voted at a polling place. I mean, we've always had that option, but it wasn't always utilized. So um, this year, I think we had, um, let me find that sheet and look and see. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about the the number of people or how many have switched and, and gone to mail-in uh, mail voting uh, as compared to prior to the pandemic. So um, with this election, we had 646 um, ballots counted from the, um, from the polling place, which um, is actually a pretty good number. With, with this election, we decided to, um, to also allow our poll inspectors to call us um, if the people didn't have a, a ballot to surrender to call us and we would be able to cancel the ballot that we had sent them. And as long as they're in the roster, then they could sign the roster and, and vote like they used to at a polling place. So that increased our numbers um, quite a bit. With, um, with the June election, let's see if I have that. That's okay. Don't, no, okay. no need to worry about the specific okay. numbers. If they come up, that's fine. So that was actually, you know, a, a pretty good, um, a, a pretty good turnout for um, voting at the polls. Mm -hmm. um, also, we have um, we have great success with our drop boxes. So we have a drop box at the different city halls. So there's one in Ukiah. There's our drop box here um, on Logap. There's one at the city of Willits. There's one at the city of Fort Bragg, and there's one at the city of Point Arena. Mm -hmm. Now, with those, um, whenever there's ballots gathered by by our employees, and the reason that I did that was city clerks are also considered election officials. So they're legally able to um, handle ballots. So when they go out several times a day to empty their ballot box, there's usually, there can be utility payments depending on what city you're in. There could be city business, depending on what city, you know, you're in. So there's two people that go out there, the city clerk and someone from the financial department. So there's so a somebody watching. So you, sorry to interrupt you, but I was, I was something I was curious about. So there's would be two people at all times, you know, one to keep an eye on the other and just ensure Correct. security. Mm -hmm. Correct. Correct. 
So then they take the ballots back inside and then they sort them. So the, the financial person, you know, can take what they need and then the city clerk can take what they need. They count them, they log them in, they rubber band them with the number on there and they put them in a secure location, a safe or one of our ballot boxes that they have within their safe. So those are all kept nice and secure until one of our employees goes and gathers them. And at that time, they're counted again. The, the log is checked, the box is sealed, and then our own employee can bring it back to the office. So you have staff then that will go to all, all, all around the county to pick them up. It's not, there's no delivery. They pick them okay. up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you don't have to worry about the post office. They come to us by a member of our own staff. Mm -hmm. So then they get to your office, and so you're keeping a cumulative tally as you know prior to election day for all the positions is that correct correct and well for all of the ballots or a, we don't know what the position you know we don't yes we don't know what the races are you know i mean we don't know any outcome until we run them through the tabulator and then we can actually look at the number um at eight o'clock on election night prior to that we have no idea so is there a computer program? I'm curious about the system. You said they get tabulated and they, but but where do these totals that you're accumulating prior to election day go? You know, I mean, they, I know you have the you have physical ballots that are kept secure, but you're also recording, uh, you know, the ballots. And so where where is that going? So after they after they get logged in and um, then we have to rip off all the privacy flaps. And then we can scan them in or put it, we have a new sorter and it will also scan them in, which allows us to check the signature. So we can check the signature on the envelope and this is all done pretty much by hand. So we check the signature on the envelope with the signature that we have on file from your voter registration. And you do that for every ballot? Every ballot. I actually every know ballot. someone who, who was had their ballot returned because their signature didn't match what you had on file. I, I was I was not sure whether somebody really checked those things. So, but they are you checked. Should, you should come and take a tour, Mari. Well, I I, <laughs> I wanted to because I was thinking about this during election time, but I figured you were too busy. But I was really curious to see what it what it looks like, and that's yeah. what led and our, to this. Our screen. main thing with signatures mm -hmm. is we cannot approve a signature where what we have in our files is a written out signature that you can read. And now a lot of people are just kind of scribbling their names. How can you compare that? How, you know, how can you do that? So that was the majority of our letters. We notify the, the um, voter as soon as possible. They have until right before we certify to cure that signature. So there's plenty of time. And some people just forget to sign their ballot or their envelope. You, and, you don't sign your ballot, just the envelope. And can you give an off-the-cuff estimate of what percent of ballots don't meet the signature match requirement? Very low. Yeah. It's, you know, if we, so the, um, we have extra help ladies that come in, and there's a gentleman that comes in and helps us, and they've been working the, um, the elections for some time. If we get a new person, then we pair them with someone who's been doing it for a while. If they have any questions, including our staff, about a signature match, then it comes up to me and I have the final say and I'm the one that gives it to the clerk to have them 
to have them send out a letter. Mm -hmm. So if we're lucky enough to have your phone number or your email, we'll also contact you that way. Because a lot of times it's just, you know, that the person can come in or, you know, we've got this signature and we're questioning that we're going to send you something. You know, we want them to have a heads up of, of what we're doing. So it's not just a cold call. You get this letter in the mail, mm-hmm. you know, that, sorry, your signature doesn't match. But as long as you cure that signature by either re-registering or re-signing, because we'll send you a copy of what we have, then we can cure that signature and it goes right in to be counted. Mm-hmm. So once we do that, everything is sorted into precinct order. So then we keep track of everything in precinct order. Once we have enough ballots in there to start processing, then we'll take it and we'll process it um, precinct by precinct. And there's always a number. So, you know, we'll, we'll slit them all open. We'll count them and make, so there's 58. And um, 58, we'll like open. from a specific precinct, you're yeah, saying? 58 okay. ballots. Mm-hmm. So we'll slit them open. We put them to where we have no idea whose name, whose ballot we're opening. And then we remove the ballot from the envelope and set each one aside. We recount the envelopes to make sure there's still 58. And then we count the ballots to make sure there's 58. We put, we label the envelopes and we put them in a box. Then we go over to the, um, to the ballots. We open them up. We straighten them out. We make sure we have some people that like to color in the um, barcode on the side or draw on it to where it won't be, you know, readable. And we have, we have food. We have horrible things on it that we don't even want to know what's on the ballot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So once all that is done, if the, if the clerks think that there's an issue with the ballot, it's put on top. If it does need to be remade, which sometimes it does, then they remake them with the same two. One person, like you would read to me and I'd color, and then I would read back to you and you would double check it. They're all numbered per precinct, so we can always tie it back to the original ballot if there was ever anything that came up. Luckily, you know, knock on wood, we've never had any issues with that. And um, then it's put in a box, logged on top of the box, and it's getting ready to go into the counting room. Hmm. The counting room is secure. Go ahead. Oh, just a quick question. Do you you hire extra staff during this period to... You we know, do six okay. to eight people. We prefer eight, but it's sometimes hard to find them. So temporary hires, you're talking about temporary, mm-hmm. yeah, expert help people, and those are the same people that normally come back election after election. Mm-hmm. Okay, so continue on. So, um, yeah, you're, you've you've put all the the ballots and the envelopes are sorted, and they could be tracked. And and now, what's the next step? So the next step is they, they're put in the secure room so we can go in and, and count them. We have three tabulator um, machines. We have three scanners. And um, so we have a, a central one, which is the one that I usually use because then I have control over the things. And we have two um, clients, they're called. So um, What's a client? It's just another. We ha- so there's no Internet in that room whatsoever. But we have a small area network where those three machines are linked together. So everything comes up, um, all the totals, all the everything else comes up on one machine. Mm-hmm. So we're able to do that, and that's usually on my machine. Mm-hmm. So with this machine, we're able to um, 
we we scan them and then it it tells us if there's any that need review or if they're fine so we go in and re we review the ones that need that and that might be as little as you know how you're going to vote for somebody and you put your pen down but you don't really vote for them you vote for somebody else so we look at each one of those and if we can tell what the voters intent was you know oh there's a pencil mark there or a pen mark there that's not who they wanted to vote for they wanted to vote for the other candidate so we can make that work we can ignore the pencil mark and um and go on so that's also where we adjudicate the write-ins so you know over in fort bragg they had a pretty contested write-in race and um so we can go ahead and it'll it'll say okay this needs review there's a write-in here so then we go and we look at it a lot of them are mickey mouse which you know it takes us a lot of time to process mickey mouse because he's he's a non-qualified write-in mm -hmm. and um so with those our staff has to mark that it's non-qualified and both people have to initial that ballot that they saw that. Mm -hmm. So if it's qualified, then they also still, you know, let us know that it's qualified. So that shows that um, a person is actually looking at that and, and putting that, that on there. Mm -hmm. So the machines tabulate everything. They keep track of all the candidates. They um, keep track of, you know, sometimes there's other votes. We had, um, we had, well, with the city of Ukiah, that was vote for three. Well, we had quite a few people that voted for everybody. What do you do in those situations? That's an overvote, and nothing is counted on mm. that race. Hmm. And there's also undervotes where I might just vote for you. Mm -hmm. or um, And so we have to look at that. And then it's okay, that's an undervote, and your vote's counted, mm -hmm. and you know nothing else was voted in that race, and that's fine, too. Only overvotes are a problem, potentially. I mean, well, a problem over, in that they're yeah. not count that n none of the votes are counted. So, does exactly. that is that true for just say well in the situation in Ukiah? So their their city council vote doesn't count, but you would count the rest of the items on their ballot. Correct. But, yeah, and you might have a long term race where you know there's there's two or three candidates for a long term and there's one for short term. Mm -hmm. So if they voted once for the short term and voted correctly, that one would count. But the other, if the, everybody was voted for that with that other race, those wouldn't count. Mm -hmm. Great. And with this ballot, you know, with the June ballot, especially because it was so big, we had and um, we had a lot of people that voted for a couple different, you know, candidates for governor or for lieutenant governor. So those aren't counted. Mm -hmm. Everything else on the ballot is counted. Mm -hmm. in, in, I don't know, 25, 30 years ago, I remember that there, on election night, people would gather in the Ukiah courthouse, and there was a blackboard there, and as tallies came in, the blackboard would be updated, and we'd get to see what was going on. Um, well, that doesn't happen any, anymore. We, I guess it, the updates happen online, but we don't get as many updates as we used to. Can you explain the process of, of what, or how the decisions made of what the public gets to see on election night and sure. yeah and what we get to see because we we by law we're not allowed to look at what those votes are so eight o'clock we upload everything to our count program and then it issues the report that we see um on the website so let me so, just ask you real quick so the eight o'clock update 
that's when the polls closed. But obviously, then you wouldn't have counted um, ballots that were dropped off at mail-in uh, at polling places and and others that had just been delivered. So that update would be everything, I suppose, that had been delivered to a Dropbox or mailed back to your office by a certain date. So it's a very preliminary total, correct? Correct. Correct. It is a very preliminary. And what percent? The report of the night. What percent do you think, um, I mean, I don't remember, at, at 8 o'clock, is it, do you have 10% of the total at that point or a third of the total? Well, it depends. With, with November election, we actually got quite a few ballots in prior to that we could that we could process. So I think we processed just under 12,000 ballots with that first report, 11 something, without looking at the report. And um, so that was the first, the, the preliminary, what we had received and processed, you know, with that. So, and so then we have to, not only do we publish that to the website, then we also have to report that to the state. So, and that takes quite a bit of paperwork and quite a bit of time. It probably takes, oh, 45 minutes to get that all done and verified and sent up to the state. Mm. And then we're required to report to the state every two hours after that until all the polling places have come in. So our furthest polling place is Point Arena and, and Wallala. So um, if they have, and they have to balance to how many um, ballots they have, how many ballots they gave out, how many they, you know, they started with, they, so they have to balance to that. If they have a hard time with that, we tell them to just pack things up and we'll do it because that's part of the canvas. So, but in bad weather, it can take two and a half hours to get from Point Arena to Ukiah. So, you know, it usually takes about two hours for that. Do you, so send, do you send two people to each yeah. place? Yep, we do. And um, so while all of will bring their ballots, two people will bring their ballots up to Point Arena, and we have a runner that meets them in Point Arena, two runners actually, you know, because they have to do pairs, and they check off what they've been given, and they bring all the supplies back with them. And then we have a, we have a, um, a lineup um, here that checks everything in and brings us the ballots from that polling place into the secure room so we can count them. Mm -hmm. Everything is counted here. Mm -hmm. Let me just reintroduce my guest, Katrina Bartlemay. Uh, she is the assessor, county clerk recorder, and registrar of voters. You're listening to Citizen You, and I'm your host, Mari Roden. So, Katrina, let's, oh, and I want to say that uh, we're happy to take your calls. The number is 895-2448. And we're talking about how the votes are um, collected around the county and brought back to to Katrina's office in Ukiah. Um, I wanted to ask you about ombuds people. Do you have, or yeah, do you have people watching? You know, not participating, um, who you've hired, who are part of your office, but are there neutral people who are? are keeping an eye out. I'm just curious if that's something that is routine or not. We can have observers. And observers. Um, mm -hmm. I think we actually had an observer from the state um, come and visit quite a few, from the Secretary of State, quite a few of the polling places um, on Election Day. We can have, um, we have observers here occasionally that come in and watch us, check the signal, you know, watch us 
get the mail. We go and get the um, our ballots because we get them a lot faster than what the county, you know, the county's normal mail process. So we actually send two people down and get the ballots from the post office and bring them up here, and that's when all that starts are once the, we get the mail. Are the observers people who call you and say, I'm curious, I want to observe? Yeah. Uh, uh, they're not yeah. invited observers. They're just people who... And how right. many did you have, for example, this past November election observers? None. Uh-huh. No. So I could have called you... <laughs> and also you know um over in front of the assessor's office so we have two doors you're you're familiar but if you're not you know you walk in to the main doors of the county complex i'm talking with my hands can you tell i'm italian (laughs) so they walk in the first door is the clerk recorder and assessor's office and then the second door used to be the assessor's entrance and now it's just a employee entrance well we open that door and we have one of those dutch half doors that we can close and people can come up and they can watch and listen to the ladies the people processing the ballots it's also on our tv monitors out in the hall so that's pretty cool unless there's a board meeting going on and so people can watch that process they so if we've had um the grand jury come in and watch We've had um, individuals come in and watch. We've had, I think we had a few members of the Lions Club several years ago that were interested, and they came in. So they only, they sign in, so we know who they are, and they have to wear a badge that says observer. They're, um, and then we assign um, a staff person to them, because we don't want them interrupting the process. So the staff person can, can tell them what you know what they're doing um they come back they they watch us um open the envelopes um i'm sorry i i misspoke they watch us take the privacy um flaps off and then check the signatures and stuff like that and um so uh, you know they they have questions we answer the questions for them and uh, we go ahead can they see the secure room where you said the votes are or the ballots are I don't know what the word would be processed or you know put into the tabulated in the machine they can we have a window it feels like a fishbowl in there the secure room is secure so but they can see in they can see it Mm -hmm. yeah and then one of us if they have questions one of us will go out and answer the questions for them there has to be two people in that room at all times when when the ballots are present right now i can go in there and run a report or something but where I don't need two people, but there always has to be two people. So if there's two of us in there running the the scanners and I have to leave, then the other person has to get up and come and stand at the door or one of the staff members can go in and, um, and monitor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask, Oh, I was curious um, if, if there's anything about the process that you would change that, that, uh, you know that could work more smoothly or efficiently for you well unfortunately it all takes time you know because we have to we have to make sure that the number of envelopes we have matches the number of ballots that we have mm-hmm. so that takes time it takes time to go through the ballots we've actually with this um, with this adjudication we've actually eliminated one whole process because it used to be that you know, all the envelopes were open and separated, like I explained, 
and then it would go to another team who would look at each ballot to make sure it would go through our optical scanners because if you put your your pin down on one but you voted for the other that ballot would have to be remade because it would not go through the optical scans so we've eliminated one huge time-consuming thing with having the adjudication system mm -hmm. and um, so that makes it nice um, I like having it I guess I'm kind of a control freak I like having control over the precinct by precinct because then we know how many ballots are in that precinct and it's easy for us to go ahead and balance out with our ballots used was so, there, was there a different process before it was precinct no. by precinct it's always been that other counties do um you know other counties are a lot larger than ours and they probably have um some additional equipment that we don't have but you know once they open them they just put them through and they're able to to reconcile and and be fine we're still kind of old-fashioned and we still kind of do it this the same way i mean every ballot has to be have the privacy flat off of it every ballot has to have its signature checked every ballot by a person not by a machine and a lot of other counties do use the machine to check the signatures and then if it doesn't meet a certain criteria within that machine then it's kicked out for for people to look at mm -hmm. we look at everything ourselves mm -hmm. why does it take weeks to get the next updates on i mean the, there's an updated 8 p.m on election night and then what well, we have what maybe twenty thousand or so ballots left to count uh, yeah or more uh, so but what takes so long i mean if if these ballots are going through tabulation machines and and they're getting tabulated why not post post results as you go well, because it takes time to get that all going. As soon as election's over, the next day we're sorting and we're um, checking signatures again and we're removing privacy flaps and we're getting that all. Then we have to have a number that we report to the state and we do a press release. This is how many ballots we have left to count. And that usually takes one to two days depending on how many ballots we have in there and then it starts that process all over again and while the extra help is doing that their normal process of opening and removing the ballots and stuff like that we're um two of us are checking everything that came from the polling places because we want to make sure that we have to prove the numbers that we released on election night on our final report sometimes at one o'clock in the morning the next day we have to prove that those are correct and that also helps us with proving that our machines counted correct then we have a one percent manual tally so we have to check three precincts because we have 282 um, precincts consolidations actually so we have to check the entire ballot on all three um, of those precincts. Wait, and three. Then, uh, you said there's 200 and some odd precincts. How, which three do you choose? The computer chooses it. We it's a random. Put it in there, and it'll say one seventy-five, one hundred eighty-five. So then we have a precinct list. We find out what the first, what each one of those numbers are, and those are put in for full ballot check, manual ballot check, and then if so, if the city of Ukiah wasn't chosen within those three numbers then we choose the city of ukiah and we usually choose one that has a lot of votes in it so we can make sure that that's correct so you and do so a manual count that that validates the the tabulation by the machine 
Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, um, and but we've already we've already tested our machines way prior to election. As soon as we get our ballots, we check those machines to make sure they're counting them correctly. We have a several um, tests that we do then pre-election. So then, and luckily, you know, knock on wood, we've never been one ballot off. So, you know, our our machines are workhorses, and so are our people. So, you know, it it's it's great. They work in. Um, when they do a manual tally, they work in teams of four. So they have one person reading, two people um, have, you know, like crossing off the numbers. We have a, a sheet that has numbers on it. So two people do that. And one person checks to make sure that the person is reading correctly. Because mm -hmm. it can get kind of confusing when you have 35 candidates, you know, on for governor. You know, it can get kind of confusing. So... We usually have two teams of that, so that's eight people that do that. And um, then once we do that, then we can start, um, and everything's been scanned in, we can start processing the provisional ballots. So, so well, uh, why, why isn't the, to the tally at that point made public and posted on the website? And then later the provisional ballots and add those? Just curious. Well, we do, within two weeks, we do publish another one. Mm -hmm. And our provisional ballots are the last ones that we process mm -hmm. because we want to make sure that somebody didn't vote twice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, occasionally somebody will vote as soon as they get their ballot and then they forget. And with all the frenzy on election day, they go in and they vote a provisional ballot. So we're able to, and it's not out of malice, you know, it, it's not. And um, so we're able to just put already voted and that that, that provisional ballot is not counted. Mm -hmm. Okay, let me just do a quick reintroduction in case you've just tuned in. This is Citizen U, a forum for exploring local government and related issues in depth to increase your civic literacy and your ability to effectively engage in decisions affecting our communities. I'm your host, Mari Roden. And today I'm speaking with Katrina Bartlemay about the process of voting in Mendocino County. And we're at the tail end of the hour and we're also at the tail end of the process of... Um, Amazing. Uh, yeah, of what, <laughs> it's just as I planned. So, but I was curious about where the... Yeah, so, so you were saying that the provisional ballots are the last ones. Is that like 1% of the total then that get added at the end? How, how big is that last upload of results? I think we had about 600 provisional ballots mm. this time. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it takes time because we have to, you know, we've got that. We update anything that we have on that envelope that has all the, the voters' information on it. We update our system with maybe a phone number, and we always put unlisted so then the campaigns don't always get the phone numbers. We don't maintain numbers for campaigns. Mm -hmm. And... Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a long process. Right. And um, there's only three of us that are really allowed in that secure room. So me, the assistant registrar, and the previous registrar. We are the ones that tabulate everything. So once we have enough boxes to tabulate, it takes, it doesn't take very long to tabulate one box. So, and, you know, once we have enough to tabulate and enough to have a, you know, let you see what the process is. I don't want to just have 500 ballots because that's really in the in the large scope of things, not a whole lot. Yeah. So as soon as we have that, then we do an update, and that's usually within two weeks. 
we finished our canvas and now we're we're focusing on on the ballots and the provisional ballots mm-hmm. and then so we do an update then and then we do an update when we're finished mm-hmm. so it used to be that we did not do any updates and then when i took office i wanted to at least have an update but there's so much work that we have to do to get that update and then we have to report it to the state and then you know it's it's just a lot so once we do that then we do an update and then we're almost finished so then we wait until we we certify we have 30 days by law to certify and um, with this election because we didn't have the staff that we normally do it took us it took us i think 22 or 23 business days we work most weekends um thanksgiving was the first weekend since election day that we actually took a weekend off you had then not as many of the temporary staff as you normally do is that what you're saying and that's why it took a long time right Mm -hmm. and we we had to use um you know we used assessor staff on weekends we used you know we want to get that we want to get that done as soon as we can but we have to follow the law Mm -hmm. how much of the process is is dictated by the state you know the the what uh, the tabulation process the going and picking them up and how much is is a process that has been honed here locally in mendocino county and is the traditional way things are done here i think the only thing that is honed here is um is filing them into precinct order because for us it's easier if somebody calls and um uh with a question we can go to that ballot we can find that ballot because we have our logs and everything um i think that's honed in all of our processes are governed by the state it leaves some of them like the precincts um up to interpretation of the registrar but everything else the the way we tabulate the way we handle the ballots with two people the way um everything is is by state is by by statute. What I thought was funny was um, at the very end, we get this email from the Secretary of State's office and we get what we call CCROVs. And those are things that, you know, oh, this is, don't forget to do this, you know, and the, the legalities of it all. Well, we just got an email and they said, you need to sign an affidavit that you picked up your, um, your uh, drop-off ballots after eight o'clock. And I thought, are you kidding me? So, and of course, I didn't see it the first time because it was just an email. And I mean, if you need to get a hold of me around election time, call me because very seldom do I look at my emails. I'm too busy. I'm out there working with everybody else, answering the phones, everything. So I sent him a letter and in my email, I said, do you really think that we're not intelligent enough or responsible enough not to pick up our own ballots from our own drop boxes? Mm -hmm. But I guess maybe somewhere, sometime, you know. Mm -hmm. So, well, many of us have read that that poll workers have been hard to find in in areas of the country where there's a lot of um, contention around around voting. I'm curious in Mendocino County if you've had any problem recruiting poll workers, or if that's a need. Oh, you do. We do. Mm -hmm. We do have a problem with that. Um, And again, poll workers usually, you know. They're usually poll workers for every single election, which we truly appreciate. I think 
um, this net whatever whenever our next election is hopefully we have an election before March of 2024 but I think that I'm going to um, recruit and find a person that can be our poll worker advocate so um, and I'm sure I said that wrong but who will call all the poll workers will um, you know try and get them all done because it's such a process and right now our admin assistant does it and we'll get an extra help lady in to help with that but that is a huge job so you know if anybody is interested in that watch the papers because we will be probably recruiting for something like that because it's a hard job and then you know people get sick or they cancel the last day or they don't show up to be a poll worker and you know that's hard we have to have at least three people there mm -hmm. um, you don't want one person being in charge of your poll ballots you know everything else is at least two mm -hmm. so it, that's a huge job and what's and the training for becoming a poll worker what's the investment in hours one has to commit it's really not much of a training we have a poll worker training period the week before election we have um you know hopefully some experienced poll workers are there to help train the inexperienced poll workers but sometimes it's just you know a real quick this is how you do it everything's outlined in the binder you know if you read the binder you'll tell what you have to do how to set your your polling place up you know it, it's pretty elaborate so um you know we wish that we had time to um, have in-depth poll worker training and um, if the poll worker has questions we invite them in and um, you know we do whatever we can to help them with that have there ever been any confrontations or uh, you know issues happen at polling places that uh, poll worker you know I just wonder if there's been any excitement at polling places oh of course there. so what so give, tell us uh, <laughs> something that that's yeah. happened that's interesting or that involved you or someone had to call 911 yeah we had to call 911 this last time um and it's funny and i teased the willits poll workers i said you know if something's going to happen it's going to happen at willits so we've had um we've had people come in wearing campaign things and refusing to take them off or turn them inside out and we've had to call um, the police department we've had to call we've had um, poll workers threatened that they didn't know what they were talking about and um, you know it can just usually it seems like that happens in the morning when everybody's fresh so um, but overall we don't have any problems mm -hmm. I mean we have these few that I tease the Willis people about but you know overall Mendocino County is a safe place to live and a safe place to vote. Yeah, that's great. Well, I I think it would be interesting to be a poll worker, and I bet there are a lot of people who would be interested, and maybe there are other ways to get the word out besides the newspaper, um, you know, to, when, when you're looking and recruiting for those positions. Um, we, also use, we also use radios, you know. On the south coast, it seems like we have more of a problem down there. So I'll send over a radio thing for them to announce, mm -hmm. and and um, KZYX has helped. Um, you know, they've they've all helped, and you know, I think it's a great collaboration. You know, I'll send out a press release, and everybody's behind it, and you know, that's mm -hmm. that's just amazing how we all can come together. Great. Well, 
uh, we're we're wrapping up the hour now, so I want to thank you so much, Katrina, for Katrina Bartlemay for joining me today. It's really fascinating this whole process. I'm surprised that we didn't get calls because to me this is really interesting. Um, yeah, and I I hope to become an observer next yeah. time and really just see how it all happens. And um, so. Do you have any closing remarks, contact information, um, anything else you'd like to say to listeners? Um, our office is um, open every day from 8 to 5. We answer our own phones. And um, we also, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, are open during the lunch hour. We have limited staff. Um, but if you're interested in the process, give us a call. We'd love to have you come and watch when we're doing it. It's pretty amazing. Great. Thanks again for being my guest. Thank you very much. Yeah. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to Citizen U. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.